0: Hello, and welcome to Lighting the Shadows, a podcast all about mental health. I'm your host, Kristen Lowerson, and on today's episode, I have guest Sam Becker on the show with me. Sam is a cosmetologist, a musician, and a mindset confidence coach. Sam talks openly about his story with crippling anxiety. How he utilized alcohol to try and cope with the anxiety and how his battle with anxiety seemed to worsen over time until his breaking point when he decided to truly bring things into the light and determine what he needed to do to heal from the anxiety he was experiencing. Sam shares various tools that have helped him manage his anxiety and live the life he's always desired to live. I love hearing Sam's perspective and really appreciated his openness and willingness to share his story with us today on the show. Hello, Sam. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Kristen. I'm super honored to to be here and share with you my story and everything we have going on for today.
0: Yeah, of course. No, I've been I've been really excited for this conversation. So I think it's I've been telling people like it is so amazing to me that through podcasting I can have conversations with people all around the world um, that I've never met before. And then not only that, I get to learn from their stories, but then I also get to share their stories with other people. So I just it's such an honor and so amazing, really, that we can do this. I think it's such a cool thing. Thank goodness for technology, especially during, especially during a pandemic.
1: (laughs) Definitely. I don't know what we would do without it.
0: So to get started, tell us a little bit about who you are, about what you do professionally and all of that.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like you mentioned already, my name is Sam Becker. Um, I do primarily confidence and mindset coaching, um, Mostly for like struggling entrepreneurs, I would say, um, anyone that's kind of going through the struggle of owning a business or wanting to start a business. Um, and we can get more into why I came about with that, um, later on, but it's, it's been really beneficial for me to have, you know, to be able to, to meet with people and kind of share the things that have inspired me, um in my journey and share that with other people that are, that are really struggling within, within their business or even personal lives as well. Um, so I do a lot of, a lot of mindset training, I would say over, over confidence because with my, with, you know, with mindset, you inevitably kind of, um, create confidence within yourself, the more that you start to utilize the the brain power and understand how, how to use that muscle, um, well, I guess it's an organ. Right. <laughs> so, but either way we have, we have to still, we have to exercise it regardless. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's been, it's been amazing Train to be it. able to do that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, but on the side of that, you know, like I said, I, I, um, I do primarily that's the, the coaching stuff, but I do a lot of social media marketing and consulting for businesses as well. It's so not just on the mind power, uh, part of it, but also with, you know, the, the inside of, of business too.
0: Oh, that's really cool. yeah, yeah that's thank you. i I've been talking um, to I've had several conversations lately that um, have revolved around thoughts and emotions. <laughs> Actually, a lot of conversations. I think when you talk about mental health, you're gonna talk about thoughts and emotions probably every time, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. but several recent conversations I've had um, with people through the podcast they've they've told me, how it's, it's kind of hard to change your emotions. It's kind of hard to manage your emotions Mm -hmm. right off the bat, but what you can manage and what you can change are your thoughts. And then in changing your thoughts, you can therefore change your emotions and therefore change your, your reactions to things. And then, you know, it, it creates a lot of freedom. So I think that's, that's amazing that that is what you're doing to help people. And, um, what I love about interviewing people like you too, it's really inspirational because you have been through your own struggle and then you've learned tools through your own struggle. And now you are in a place where you can share what you've learned with other people. And that is, that is a beauty in trials, that is a beauty and struggles is, as you learn from them and then that wisdom that you learn, you can give as a gift to other people who are struggling. So I think that that is fantastic because so often people don't get to that point and they get stuck in the struggle and the struggle can, can overwhelm and consume. And I think it's, it's so important to show other people that you don't have to stay stuck in the struggle. Um, even if it's been 10, 20, 30, 40 years, it's never too late to change and to get out of that struggle. So, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's great what you're doing. Well, Sam, we've talked a little bit before this interview and, um, you told me a little bit about your, your story, your personal story. And I think that it is so amazing and, um, I think it's so fascinating. And so if you wouldn't mind, I would love to share your story. I would love you to share your story with, with listeners on the show. So um, yeah, tell us, tell us your story.
1: <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um, Loaded question I mean,
0: right there, right? I mean,
1: yeah, there's, there's a, there's obviously a lot of detail to go into. So I'll try to make this as very straightforward as possible. Right. Um, so, I mean, I struggled a lot with, with anxiety, not as a child, but as you know, um, my last year of, of teenage years, right. I was 19 years old when I first had my first like panic attack. Um, I had no idea what was happening Right, I was actually in school at the time I was doing, um, cosmetology school. So I'm a licensed cosmetologist as well. And I was, I was in school and I re- I remember having like a bunch of, um, so when you're, when you're in, when you're in school, there, there's, there's people that can come in and purchase really cheap services to allow us to practice on real people. And I remember going into school that day and there was probably four or five appointments for me, supposed to be a good thing, right? Well, that overwhelmed the heck out of me. And I was like, okay, so I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is kind of stressing me out. And I had this weird things happening. My heart was racing and I was really kind of panicky and shaky and, um, uh, felt like I was going to, you know, throw up. So I went to the restroom and I was just kind of trying to calm down. Like what is happening to me? My heart felt like it was being squeezed. Um, so all of that, like the tightness in my chest. So this might be triggering some people and I apologize if it is, but you know, it's, it's, it was really difficult. So what I ended up doing was saying, I'm so sorry. I don't, I don't feel well. And I clocked out and went home and I couldn't understand what that was. So I ended up getting like an EKG just because I thought I was having a heart attack at 19. Um, you know, I'm this, I'm this thin, thin kid. There's no way that I could have a heart attack at 19. I wasn't that um, unhealthy, you know? And I was just like, I had no idea what was going on. My heart is, is, you know, the test results said everything was fine. So, you know, flash forward later that traumatized me so much that I would actually think about um, the way that made me feel. And that would make me uh, be be really terrified to go anywhere. So from there, I developed a lot of social anxiety. I, I developed a lot of fear of just leaving the house. Um, you know, my girlfriend at the time actually said to me too. She's like, "I I need you to figure this out because I can't be with someone that can't leave the house." Yeah. And she meant well by that. And, and for a little bit, I'll admit that it it really did get me kind of kicked into gear, saying, "Okay, okay, I really want to keep this relationship," but the same time like that was also kind of a you know a a crappy thing to say and, and to mm. someone that is going through these new set of emotions that they would never experienced before so i had to try to figure out a way to to, to deal with this and figure out what it was because at this point i still had no idea that it was anxiety or a panic attack and um i actually had these like band dvds and I, I was you know really heavy in the music scene back back then and and um I would watch these dvds of these bands band guys on tour and uh it really inspired me thinking okay these guys are on tour traveling the world and playing music doing what they love how am i going to do that if i'm stuck in the house with panic attacks you know so it really kind of pushed me out but that didn't last long either so you know with within a couple of years um the anxiety would just kept getting gradually worse and worse and i actually developed um a, a drinking problem because of it. I wouldn't say that I was necessarily like an alcoholic because of it, but it was definitely alcoholism that, that played a huge part of that. And I found myself, um, everywhere I went, I would have at least, you know, a shot or two just to calm the nerves. Um, not because I was anxious, but because I was scared of being anxious. Yeah. So every single, every, every single place I went every single day, I had to put on this mask of, of confidence, right. Faking it. Um, and that really, that really sucked having to go to a friend's house, um, that's has nothing to do with, with, you know, having alcohol or anything like that. And I would be the only one in there secretly, you know, riding a buzz because I was scared of, um, having a panic attack in front of people. Right. So later on, um, well, the, the, the worst part about this too, is that I used to keep the alcohol in my car. So I would have bottles under the passenger side seat, um, and I remember one day I was looking at I was looking at the um, the amount of bottles in my car that I was pulling out because every so often you have to clean it out, right? I was looking, and there must have been maybe six liquor bottles under there. And this wasn't this wasn't you know a six month thing. This might have been in a month or so. Um, and to to most that's probably not that much, but if you're you know, if sharing that with buddies, not that much, but if you are drinking by yourself, you know, almost on a daily basis, because you're terrified of having panic attacks, that's something's got to go. Something's got to give. Yeah. Um, uh, and then, you know, I, I realized that so that's always been in my mind. I wanted to get help, but I just felt like therapists couldn't help me. I felt like I knew more than they would. Um, so I was stubborn, very, very stubborn. It was and like a
0: waste of time or a waste of money or both.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't in a place. I, I really wanted to beat this thing on my own thinking that oh I'll grow out of it. I'll grow out of it, you yeah. know, kind of thing. And and I'll just start working out more I'll just start working out. And I was terrified of taking medication. There was no way I wanted medication. There's no, there no way I wanted to go see therapy. Um, the thought of sitting in a tiny room focusing on all the demons that I, that I am trying to run away from, um, did not sound appealing at all. Yeah. And, um, this one time, this one day, I went to go visit um, another girlfriend of mine, right? Because this is, this is maybe four or five years later. Um, we're, we're getting on a plane and I'm, I'm extremely terrified. I was very terrified of flying. I, I had to, you know, I drank maybe, I don't, I don't even know, uh, like maybe half a pint before I got on the plane. And the whole time there, I was thinking, okay, okay, I'm, I'm, I can't do this, I can't do this. And it was just literally baby steps. So checking in my luggage, okay, I can't do this. Okay, now we're gonna get a coffee. I can't do this. Um, now we're in line to board. I can't do this. And the whole time she's saying, "Look, this is the, this is the next step." She was very patient with me, and I really appreciated that. You know, that's that's what you need when you're in this kind of state of mind. So I get on the plane, and um, we're we're sitting we're sitting in there, and I'm waiting for the doors to shut. There's, there's, all the people are, you know, boarding last minute and, and putting their luggage in the over on the overhead compartments, and I hear seat seat belts buckling and everything. And then it dawned on me, oh my God! The second these doors close, I, that's it. I'm locked in, and I'm going. And I was on my way to visit her family for Christmas. So uh, this, she lived in she her parents lived in um, uh, Kansas City, Missouri. So I was like, okay, I've never been there either. So I was like, okay, if this if this closes, I'm stuck. I have to go. And right then and there, split decision. I decided I need to get off this plane. I need to get need to get off now. So I told her and I had to get off. And, you know, I I ended up deciding worst case scenario, I'll just call a cab or I think this is before Lyft and and Uber were like really, really heavy in the game. But I was just thinking, I'll just call a cab, I'll go home, you know, and um, cut my losses and and better luck next time. But instead I was like, no, you need to, I need to punish myself. I don't deserve a ride home. So I decided to walk. Um, What was originally the idea was to walk as far as I could. 20 miles from LEX to to where I live, I ended up walking the entire way, and you know my legs were about to to crumble. I wasn't wearing like walking shoes or anything like that, but you know blisters in the back of my ankles and my legs. You were had your luggage 80. too, right? No, my luggage went to Kansas City. Oh. Yeah. So <gasps> the only thing I had was my my phone and my and my wallet. Um, but the first thing I did was you know I bawled my eyes out and I cried the whole way. It took me like six hours to walk home. Um, you know, just, just really taking my time, really thinking deeply about what just happened and how defeated I felt. That was probably like the lowest moment when I decided, okay, you know, this cannot happen anymore. How am I supposed to live this life that I really wanted to Mm -hmm. by, by traveling and seeing places if I'm terrified to travel, if I can't get on a plane, you know? So I, I decided right then and there, like, no, I was so fired up to, to really make some necessary changes for myself because you know, being able to travel meant a lot to me. So I, um, immediately started looking for therapists and I just decided, okay, screw it. I have to go. I need to try. Why, why not? Why not try? Um, and then, you know, it's been uphill ever since.
0: Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And I can relate to, um, some of your story there, like just the feelings of anxiety taking over and the crippling, um, feelings of anxiety and also the like wanting to be free of it more than anything mm-hmm. wanting like I remember saying if there's one thing that I could change about myself it would be the fear that I feel that's so consuming and that just seems to overtake me you know like right. if I could change that I could do anything <laughs> yeah if I wasn't crippled by this anxiety I would be doing, you know, so much, so many more things. And it's like, I, I desperately wanted to do those things and I wanted to be free, but it didn't feel possible. I felt like I was trying so hard, but like also the, how you were describing, like being afraid of the anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like I experienced that at a lot at work because I'm a dental hygienist <laughs> and I was struggling severely with anxiety when I first started working five days a week and, um, and some days I was fine, but other days when I had really hard patients or, you know, quote unquote hard patients, but like people that if I had a a person that was terrified of going to the dentist, I felt like it was my responsibility to make them calm. But I kind of, when they were anxious, made me anxious. And then, um, then it was really hard. because I was like, I shouldn't be anxious. Like, and then I was afraid of being anxious. Cause I didn't want to show, um, I didn't want to look unprofessional and right. I wanted more than anything to be, you know, perfect hygienist, but anxiety really, really stood in the way of that. So, um, I relate to that. And I think most people who struggle with anxiety can relate to those, those feelings. And it's like people that don't, struggle with anxiety, it can be really confusing. Like, why, why don't they just snap out of it? Like, why don't they just, why doesn't he just like force himself to sit on the plane? But like they don't understand the intense emotion of, you know, that anxiety that takes over. And it's like you don't have control of your breathing or of your thoughts. It doesn't feel like you do. And it's just like when anxiety takes over, like you you're not functioning right yeah
1: it's like it's like it doesn't doesn't matter how much you want x y and z because anxiety doesn't doesn't have a mind of its own necessarily like in that in that space it has it has control um and it's you know it's it's weird because i didn't know how to manage my anxiety at all had i known how to how to actually grab a hold of the anxiety it would have tremendously made my life so much easier. Yeah. Um, like all of my 20s were 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 spent, you know, drinking and hiding from the anxiety and doing things that that that, you know, doing music stuff, I had to be out. I had to network. I had to, yeah. you know, show face at different venues and be around people. And what happens when you're at venues and concerts, there's alcohol. So I was okay. But that's again, that's that's the most like unhealthy approach to yeah. trying to deal with that. Um, and I felt that, you know, the second yeah. that I started to get a, little, a lot more healthy and really figure out ways to, to deal with my anxiety, it was, it was like, oh my gosh, I should have done this so much sooner. You know, yeah. by then my, my twenties were, were almost over. Um, and I'm watching all my friends go to the, to Hawaii and and the beach and, you know, just enjoy life, enjoy twenties. Like, like they should be right. Yeah. And I had, you know, I'm looking at them from the sidelines thinking, Hmm. One day, Sam, one day. while in the background, I'm just kind of coping. Yeah. You know, and coasting really. But
0: yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. Um, I heard something, I think it was just yesterday, that I heard it on another podcast, and it's just reminding me of this. And she was talking about anxiety and depression, but mostly anxiety, and she's saying it's kind of like if you were preparing yourself to run a marathon. Um you can't just go out and run a marathon, right? Like mm-hmm. if you were just like you can't just wake up one day and be like, "Okay, I'm going to run a marathon today." Um put on my shoes. I mean, I guess you could, you maybe could walk it, but like it would be really 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 hard. And I think she was relating that to anxiety. Like you can't just wake up when you're struggling with anxiety and be like, I'm going to beat it today. You know, it's going to go out the door. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to feel this way anymore. Like it's not something that you can just turn off and change, but just like you train your body to run a marathon, you can train your mind. You can figure out the tools you can, um, yeah, train, train your mind to overcome anxiety or to to be able to, um, handle it more effectively right. and, and live life in freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, but it, it's not, it's also, um, there's a process. It's not immediate. It takes time. It takes work. Right. And, um, and I know like when you were saying that you're experiencing a lot of shame around feeling that Um, because nobody wants to nobody wants to be seen as like the one that's afraid and the one you know we all want to be seen as strong and capable and anxiety when it gets in the way kind of I know for me sometimes it made me like not capable at all (laughs) because then my my mind wasn't um my mind wasn't able to, to function at its, its normal level. So um, yeah, I feel like, I feel like it's just like that. It's allowing yourself the time and giving space for the process. And it's also really hard not to compare. Because people that don't struggle with anxiety, they're going to struggle with other things in in their life. But when it's such a big struggle for you and you look at someone else and it's not a struggle for them at all, it's like, okay, why can't I be like them? Why can't my brain function like theirs? But they're going to have their own struggles in one way or another. And so accepting that, yeah, this is a struggle and I'm going to figure out how to get through it. um, And it's not going to be immediate, I think is essential for for growth and for change. Um,
1: definitely. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Cause it, it, it wasn't, it was not an overnight success. My first therapist was like the worst experience I've ever had with a therapist. Oh no. Um, cause I, you know, at the time that, that there's, so on my YouTube channel, right. I, I started creating videos that really helped me because I, cause I had a lot of friends that were struggling with the same, you know, struggles with anxiety. So, mm-hmm. I decided, you know, this could benefit a lot of people just really sharing my, my, pers- my perspective and, and and my journey with, with personal development kind of thing and helping me deal with anxiety and, and mild depression. Right. Um, Cause one thing I didn't touch on actually, and I'll get to that in a second, actually, but the, the mild depression part was something that um, was the scariest part. Um, I had already decided to go see a therapist, but in between you know, the first couple of sessions of therapy and um, like in between those sessions, I had this weird, really dark, I, I, I've never had this feeling before, but the only thing that I could think about was these really massive dark clouds just kind of surrounding me. And I heard everything, but everything was so f- faint. It was just noise. It wasn't really like I hear people talking and it, like, and there there are people in front of me, and they're having a conversation. All I could think about was, oh my gosh, this is really scary. I feel like I'm in a dark cloud right now, and it mm-hmm. scared me. So the first thing, you know, instinct, I went straight to my room, grabbed the first bottle I could find, downed a couple of swigs of that, curled in a ball in a blanket, and 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 uh, fell asleep. You know, I waited for the alcohol to kick in, really just get rid of whatever I was feeling and go to sleep. That's when I actually turned to medication for the first time and everything that I decided to, uh, about medication and starting it just, I don't care. This is the scariest thing I've ever felt in my life. So I didn't care what it was. Just give me something, uh, that was going to help my anxiety. Um, and then that of course came with its own like side effects and issues. It felt it was, it was so bad. Uh, going through those first two weeks with the medication, I actually quit taking it three days after. Um, but just it got really
0: bad side effects.
1: It just, yeah, it felt so the the idea of taking a pill to to alter the way I feel scared me a lot. Yeah. So alcohol, I understood, that I can understand, anything else other than that, you know, it just did not work. I, I a few friends of mine, you know, advised me to try you know, try marijuana, try this because it's supposed to help with anxiety okay, I'll try it for medicinal purposes only really just strictly that. And it just, it just, every single time I tried it, it made me freak out and no panic. Um, it was trying to, it was trying to calm and slow down someone that's naturally high energy. And I think that really scared me and my heart would just start pounding out of my chest and it would just Mm -hmm. every single time panic attack. But so I started taking, um, um, Lexapro and, yeah, it just felt like I was hung over all the time and that I couldn't drink with it either. So that, that felt me like, made me feel like I was trapped in a corner. Mm-hmm. Right. Because all the panic that came with taking the pill, um, made me want to drink, but you can't drink on those medications. Yeah. So I just felt really cornered and it was like the most uncomfortable thing I've ever like had to go through. Um, but you know, I think, I thank God every day that, I, that I stuck with it because it's, it's really changed my life. And now it's like, you know, I still take the medication here and there. I don't really, I don't really take a whole lot of it though. I most of the time I forget to be honest. Um, <laughs> it's just, mo, mo, it's just kind of, it, it's almost like a, when, it, when there's something big coming up and you know, that's going to be somewhat stressful, a little bit of backup support. It's not that big of a deal in my yeah. opinion. Um, but it is something that slips my mind all the time. So I have no idea how much of that is actually in my system anymore, but it's all <laughs> the coping <laughs> to be honest, really. Um, but, a lot but of the coping, in the beginning, you know,
0: At the beginning, it it proved to be kind of helpful for you, like after it did,
1: yeah, it did. I can describe it sometimes
0: takes a while to set in because I'm actually taking Lexapro right now, like that's I'm on Lexapro, and it took for me like six to eight weeks before it really started to work. But then when it was working, it really worked, like, yeah, it's it's a good one for me,
1: yeah. You have to stick with it. I got lucky, Mm -hmm. um, I actually used to keep. So this is how terrified I am of taking pills. My doctor told me, um, cause when I was 19 after the panic attack stuff, you know I think it was a couple months after that I was going on my first plane ever uh, to Hawaii with my mom and sisters. And my doctor says here, you know I, I don't peg you as the addictive personality type. So use these with caution, you know, it's a Xanax, right? And I'm like, okay, thank you. It had been like maybe a month uh, before the actual date we left. And I, I was, I was too scared to take any of it because I, again, I didn't want to feel anything. I just wanted it to be normal. You know, what I yeah. thought was normal. And I used to keep a pill wrapped in wrapped in a piece of foil and just have it in my pocket. That was like my safety net. I never took it. You know, I've, I've taken one on the plane, uh, but that was the only time I've ever taken it because I didn't want, I wanted to do this on my own. But when I got on the plane, uh, this is before Kansas city, but when I got on the plane, I thought, okay, no, I, nope, I need to take it. I'm, I can't do this. So I took a pill, fell asleep, woke up in Hawaii. Not that bad of a deal actually, <laughs> you know, to wake up in Hawaii and and it was great, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was my safety net for a long time was keeping a Xanax in foil in my pocket just in case. And I never took it, no matter how panicked I was, I just didn't take it. So yeah, it's interesting, but yeah, yeah the Lexapro took a while to kick in. Um, I, I am glad I stuck with it though too, because it's, it's been a huge, huge benefit to supplement my therapy, you know, I would say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah. <clears throat> I'm glad it's working for you too. That's amazing. Glad yeah. To hear that.
0: No, yeah. Yeah, it is. I I think it's definitely a helpful tool for for people. And it, it's I've said before on this podcast, but it is hard with mental health because everybody is so different. And that's why I like to interview so many different people mm-hmm. um with different backgrounds, different stories, because because one medication might work well for somebody and then it might not work for another person. Then another person might try five, six medications and can't find one that's very effective. Um, so no matter who is, is listening to this and what their story is, I feel like if they haven't found the right medication or the right tool, like keep searching, you know, there's, there's so many options, so many tools out there to help um, a variety, so many, every different kind of mental challenge. Um, right. But yeah, I, I also, I love looking at the holistic side of things and I love looking at the medical side of things. And I think that there's room for both. Um, I think mm-hmm. both are effective and, and, you know, somebody might, um, might feel like the holistic side is, is more effective for them. And someone else might right. feel like, you know, the medical side is more effective for them. And for me personally, I like to use both. I like, I love to learn about all different kinds of tools out there, try them out if they work great, you know, if they don't move on to something else. Um, and there's nothing to lose. I feel like so, um,
1: definitely. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. So tell me, Sam, tell me about your therapist. Tell me about, um, what was so great that you learned, in therapy and what, what that was like, because you said that, that you're really scared to try therapy. And, um, you also said that your first therapist was not great. So I would like to know (laughs) a little bit about that because I, I've had several therapists that are, have not been good fits for me. And then some that have been excellent. So so I think it's good for people to know, like, Hey, if I, if I try a medication that doesn't work and I try therapists that I hate, <laughs> we right. don't click like it's okay. There's, there's better options out there for me that I just need to keep trying.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, and I love, I love this topic because, um, I wish there was someone like, like me that could prove me wrong or, or try to try to really explain what therapy actually is. Right. So for, for me, the whole time I was dealing with anxiety and the panic attacks, I was just thinking, I know better than them. What are they going to say? Like, there's nothing I, just, I was just so stubborn. Right. Yeah. And, uh, um, my first therapist, cause I, I didn't know how to find a therapist. This is kind of what I got on a side tangent with when I was mentioning the YouTube channel, I, I shared all these things and I actually have a video about how to pick a therapist, what to look for. Um, so with that, I wish I had that before. And, uh, I, I, found someone that I just thought would be a good fit. And, or I found it was actually a woman that I, I was trying to go, go to very um, highly, highly educated in the, the cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. and anxiety and depression, that kind of stuff, which is exactly what I, what I wanted. And I made an appointment with the office and I went to this place that looked like it was this building was like a ghost town. Um, <laughs> there, there, there was nobody there. There's no cars in the parking lot. Again, I, I had I packed, you know, a to-go bottle just in case. That's how, that's how freaked out I was about the whole therapy thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to this office, there's nobody in the waiting room. There's no one at the reception desk. And I'm like, this is already a bad sign. (laughs) So I, I rang the bell, someone came and uh, you know, I had my, my, I walked into this, to the, this office, the whole room smelled like, you know, that, that old dusty carpet like, like that that's <laughs> a, kind of yeah it's, it just it smelled like it like if you guys have those dollar theaters um in your area yes so that, i know that's what i know it smelled that smell. like <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it smelled like, like moldy, it's exactly, what ours, moldy exactly. Old carpet dusty hasn't been vacuumed in, in like, like six years or anything <laughs> so i'm um, Saying that that's already a trigger for me because the, the breathing thing, I have such bad allergies that if I smell dust, if I smell whatever, if I see dust yeah. flowing in the air, that's a trigger for me because uh, it affects my lungs and my lungs trigger the anxiety, right?
0: Yeah. So I'm
1: sitting there. I'm like, oh my God, this is not going to be a good thing. Some guy walks in. I'm like, you're not the person I booked with. Who are you? And I can just tell that he was not going to be a good fit. Just the way he was talking to me about, about things. And he was very much what you would expect a therapist to do. And I hated it. And <laughs> I walked what do you in mean
0: by that? Like, you expected therapy? He was
1: sitting there. You know, when you when you think of therapy, you 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 think you see all those memes, you see all those images, those cartoons of of someone laying on this couch and this guy sitting with glasses and, and a notepad and a pen.
0: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes
1: he's drawing. You know, to be funny. But that's pretty much exactly what it was. I wasn't laying down, but I was in my chair and I was, uh, you know, going through the the things that I wanted to accomplish with him and all that kind of stuff. And and the whole time he was literally.
0: Not even responding to you, just hardly like responding. He would ask writing a question and looking up and sitting, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, it thing. was it was the worst. So after that, he's like, Yeah, let's go ahead and book another apartment. It's like, Hey, yeah, okay, I'll make you the receptions. I just walked out. I'm like, I'm yeah. not doing that again. Yeah. So I wised, I wised up a little bit and I found someone else that I went to, which ended up being really supportive, um, to a certain extent. And I'm the type of person that needs something. To work on outside of therapy, I don't like to just go in therapy, sit yeah. down, talk about it, go out, and then out of sight, out of mind. That's that's how it is for me. So I, I spent maybe six months or so going every single week uh, with this next therapist that that really helped a lot. But she worked so much. Uh, she was she's a college uh, professor as well, and um, so by the time I saw her after work, it was it was probably like five o'clock. And she had rushed from college campus to the, to her office to, to have her therapy sessions. And a lot of times I would, I would catch her like yawning as I'm talking. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, um, am I boring you? I'm sorry. Are you tired? Like, do we need, are you present? Like, so I just want to make, I wasn't a complicated patient by any means. I really wasn't. But for the first, like maybe three or four weeks of of therapy, I was actually standing in the office, um, because I was not comfortable sitting down, Mm. um. So I, I had, I had her open the blind so I could see outside to make you feel a little less claustrophobic. And I was standing, um, because that's how uncomfortable I was. But after that, I found another therapist that actually would assign me homework. So I picked her brain, you know, and asked her, Hey, you know, I, I would love to have a, you know, consultation with you, um, based on everything that I've seen on your profile. And, you know, I went the stock, the stocking, my therapist method where i was looking at you know social platforms and seeing how mm-hmm. you know what they write about do they do they love their family do they have dogs and, and pets that kind of thing and yeah her hers just really resonated she posted something about um i think a heartbreak or, 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 or a breakup or something like that and it and it really um, inspired me to kind of reach out because right on this on the, that time when i started to um uh really have panic attacks like i was kind of you know the girlfriend i had was no longer there. And uh so that felt a lot a lot of pain, of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I went to that therapist so and that was, that was my rock her. star. That's right, awesome. Right. Yeah, she was my rock star. She's she she's provided a lot of you know tools and um it's been it's been amazing. Yeah, ever since I still I still see her too. I, I graduated from therapy. She kicked me out. <laughs>
0: She's like, I don't know why you keep
1: coming. I don't know why you keep coming. I was like, I like coming here and and, and dumping things on you. Cause you have to listen to pay you, you know? <laughs> so, um, but she's like, you're, you don't need to be here anymore. Why are you here? I'm, this is it. I'm just, I'm cutting ties. This we're done. Like you're, we're, you're, you're fine. Um, and this, you know, in that between, right there
0: is like an indication of a good therapist, because it's obvious right. she's not doing it for the money. She's her end goal is to get you to where you're a place where you don't have to see her anymore. And that I think right there, it's, it's good indication that she's, she's a great therapist.
1: Yeah. I totally respect her for it too. She, she fought me to be fair. She fought me like two months on that. Um, I'd go maybe every every two or three weeks and she fought, fought me on trying to kick me out. And I just kept saying, no, I'm I'm making an appointment. I'm coming. (laughs) (laughs) So she's, she was great. Um, We still keep in contact. She was, she was so supportive. Whenever I told her, I was scared to fly. Like I told her, so each therapy, every, each therapist I had, I I brought, you know, a a little bit about me on a, on a paper and just kind of said, these are the things that I want to be, I want to do for one, I want to be, I want to go in a helicopter. I want to jump out of an airplane. I want to travel. I want to, you know, those, those types of things. And you know what, like the first couple of sessions, my therapist actually, after our sessions, she decided, Hey, do you have an extra five minutes? It's like, sure, what's up? Okay, we're going to sit down and we're going to look at flights and see what's available. Why did that sound? Yeah, and she's like, I want you to text me a picture of you on the plane because uh, I was going somewhere. I think I was going to Vegas or something. It's like a 30 minute flight. I felt like it was a good starting point, right? And um, so yeah, so I sent her a picture. I was just like, you got this. I'm, I'm so proud of you. And it just was like having that person on your team that really yeah. believed in you and um, kicked you out when it was time. Um I'm back now. I'm back seeing therapy again with, with her but you know for for um almost like relapse purposes like there was things that was really triggering me at the time. Mm-hmm. So I've been seeing her again for about uh 5 or 6 months again but Yeah. yeah. Love it. I love it. Yeah. That's Can't so cool.
0: Okay, so question for you now. Have you jumped out of an airplane?
1: So I haven't jumped out of an airplane yet. Um <laughs> but that's been something I've been talking about for the last 2 years. Um, what I have done, have you done it?
0: No, I want to, too. It's on my bucket list, but it's not a fear of mine. It's not a fear of mine. Yeah. It's, um, but I do want to do it for sure. I think. Yeah.
1: Let's go. Let's all do it. Round up everybody. I have like a list of like five or six people that were like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. So maybe this year, maybe this year will be the year. Um, (laughs) I did, however, jump off of the stratosphere in Vegas, the the highest building. So I did that. Um, not quite skydiving but i'll take it for the time being but yeah, yeah. that was that was fun um, that's
0: cool and like props to you because here you are you know in this time of your life like struggling with intense anxiety around going on a plane and around like doing all these things and you're like no these are my goals like i'm going to jump out of an airplane like not only right. am i going to ride on an airplane i'm going to jump out of one like yeah. <laughs> that's so cool and <clears throat> and i think a testament that people don't need to to limit their dreams from the anxiety that they're currently experiencing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And, and for me too, like, I had extreme anxiety around public speaking, like extreme, like I, I would get in front of people stutter, not even be able to say my name. Um, my heart would just start pounding all those symptoms that you explained with anxiety. And I was, I was the same, like, I don't want to live in this anxiety anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. And so, um, so I was determined to overcome that and join Toastmasters international. And then, That's um, awesome. was able to, to win first place at a speaking <laughs> contest. And I think it's wow. just so, so cool when, and now doing a podcast, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's so cool when people can realize that they don't have to limit themselves because of their current emotions and their current experiences, right. um, that. Yeah, it's it's something that they can overcome and stretch through. Um and I I just love stories like that. Of stories. Love, of, so yeah, tell me t- text me a picture when you <laughs> when you're <laughs> about to jump out of an airplane.
1: <laughs> I will. I will. Yeah, definitely. If you're not there, then yes, I'll, I'll definitely send you send you a picture. I, I would love to do that this year. Um that would be pretty amazing. I wanted to do it on my 30th birthday. I'm, I'm going to be 32 in like less than a month. So I am like, I, I would love to do that this year at there some you point, go. you know, I Make have to, happen. I have to, I have to, um, even my doctor told me, he's like, yeah, you do it. I'm like, okay, yeah, just, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I really should. I, I yeah. left you short, but I, I love, okay. I love that you said that too. Like, don't, don't let your current situation limit to who you can be or what you can do. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I struggled with that for a long time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, this year I want to my next step my next goal that I'm terrified of doing but I want to do it um, is I want to sing in a coffee shop. I want to play the guitar and sing in a coffee shop. So yeah, that's my goal. And let's both make it happen. You're going to jump out of an airplane and I'll sing. I'll sing in a coffee shop. Now it's so this
1: Equally, publicized
0: publicized material. There, now
1: we have to, and yeah. we, we're going to keep each other accountable. We have for that to one. keep
0: each other accountable, listeners. Definitely. Keep us accountable.
1: Yes, I love it. I love it. Do you play guitar too, or or? Yes. Awesome. So would you play? Would you be playing guitar and singing? Yes. That's so cool. I'm so jealous. I've always wanted to play guitar. <laughs> I've tried. I'm just. I'm not a strings kind of guy. I'm a. I'm a drummer. Um, cool. So I, I if I can get a cajon, I'll join you right there. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but <laughs> you got to do this on your own. You have to do it. You just any open mic night, you know. Yeah. Just, just do it. I know.
0: It. I know. I started playing at like old folks' homes, like residence centers. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my that was my step one. Like if I, they're the best audience. 'Cause they yeah. they're so sweet. Yeah. And then sometimes they forget who you are, which is great when you're nervous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and some of them can't hear very well anyway. So it was a great So it's great a perfect starting Yeah. So I was point. doing that before COVID and then COVID hit. Darn COVID. Right. And we now know. we're now we're here. So hopefully hopefully I can get back into doing that again. But yeah. Well, Sam, let's talk a little more about um, the tools. Let's go back to to tools that you've learned in therapy. Can you tell me the top three? I know it's hard to limit it down to that, but like say the top three tools that have helped you in your journey with anxiety.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, if I had to narrow it down to maybe three that really I practice every single day, um, especially when times are like really stressful, I would say the biggest one that really taught me how to breathe again. You know, when you're going through anxiety, you don't really focus on your breath as much. You're just, you're trapped in this panic, right? So, uh, the box breathing stuff like that, that technique really helped me. And for those that don't know what that is, it's, it's really simple. So think of a box. Uh, my therapist taught me to do, you know, four second inhales, and then you keep that oxygen in your lungs for four seconds. And then you slowly exhale for four seconds until your lungs are empty kind of thing um, and then you leave your your lungs empty for four seconds and then you repeat the process and that's really helped me a lot because that's that's it's it's just made me it, it just kind of puts the focus on on how your lungs are expanding and yeah. for that like that was a huge thing when you're in anxi- anxiety your, your chest uh, your chest feels super tight and it's that tightness but it's like that, that's not even happening that's not even real you're, you're you're just stressed and tense so stop and take a breath. Uh, do that a couple times. I actually like to double that. I do like eight second inhales um, and eight second holds and then release and and, and leave it empty. So that's really uh, been a huge thing for me. I had never heard of that until she taught me that. Um,
0: so it's, it's box breathing because there's four parts to it and they're all, I believe, equal, right? So I believe breathing, so. Breathing in for four, holding for four, breathing out for four, holding for four. <clears throat> Is that Right. right? Okay.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, I, I had no idea that that was such a common thing. So when the more I talk about it, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I do that. Like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't, I had no idea of, of even hearing about that until now. So, and it's so simple, uh, but it yeah, is it's
0: something that I practice at night when I can't sleep. Yeah. I, I just focus on my breathing and, and count the breaths in hold and then, you know, do the box breathing. And I didn't know that that was the term for it until talking. Yeah. Me, but um, it is, it's very helpful to just kind of slow down my, my thoughts that are going all over the place. And of course
1: it it, it forces anxiety. you. Yeah. It, it forces you to, to stop and just kind of like, um, focus on something else, which I love because as someone that's like all over the place and I can do 50 things at once and think about 50 things at once, you know, all that, it's just nice to really stop and pause. It's like, it's almost like a form of, you know, meditation in a way where you're really stopping that monkey brain and focusing on the one thing that you're supposed to be focusing on is getting yourself back to a calm state of mind. So yeah. that's been really super beneficial with the, the, the next one I would have to say would be to argue the opposite of what you're feeling. So a lot of times for me, if I went anywhere, um, and I felt like I was trapped, like, even if it had nothing to do with being trapped, you know, let's say I went to a buddy's house and I didn't drive. Um, that was a big thing. I I could never be a passenger in someone's car. I'd had no control over that. And what I would do, what I would start doing in in situations like that or any other situations where I felt like I needed to run away, I would start arguing the opposite of what I felt was the worst case scenario. Okay. So I, I, I feel stuck in the, in the car. I feel stuck in my friends. Okay. So what would happen if I had a great time in the car? What would happen if I had a great time at my friend's house or you know, if I went to an event and I had social anxiety, okay, what what, what if I didn't? Yeah, you know, how, how how would that benefit me? How how you know, think about it that way. We we tend to focus a lot on on the negative side of things a lot. And it's just because we're we're almost like programmed to remember the negative sides. Like that's kind of like I think that's actually a psychological thing that that's proven. We tend to remember the negative things a lot more than the positive things. Yep. And it's no wonder of course, cause those are the ones that stick the most, you know, you think about this to-do list that you have, that's 10 things on the list mm-hmm. and you do four, you beat yourself up of doing, of doing only four when reality, like, Hey, you did four, like, why didn't you yeah. celebrate that? So arguing yeah. the opposite has really been um, beneficial to me as well. I think the, the third one would have to be um, really It kind of goes hand in hand with the box breathing. It's just really stopping and, and checking in with yourself. Um, I remember using this to its fullest potential, you know, at, at a Grant Cardone, uh, social anxiety event or social anxiety event, um, social media marketing event. And I went to this room filled with hundreds of other entrepreneurs. And I felt so intimidated that, um, I was there like imposter syndrome right like I, i'm a new early stage entrepreneur i knew what i wanted to do but all these high level people are in this room and and i'm just thinking oh my gosh like this is too much i shouldn't be here like i how am i supposed to say hi to anybody like this is freaking out like i don't do the drinking thing anymore so i had to like walk out of the room and and find a little like a like a it was at a hotel in uh, in anaheim um by the convention center and i i hid around the corner and i stopped and i thought to myself okay why are you here? What is actually bothering you? You know, are you really that intimidated? Like, no, in the music, in the music scene, like you, you can get up and talk to anyone. Why is this any different? It's the same thing. You're just getting up and talking to people. So I'm just thinking, okay, I need to stop and figure out what's actually bothering me. You know, and that's what it was bothering me. I felt like I didn't know enough. Okay, well then you'll get there. Don't worry. They started somewhere too. You know, so yeah. go out, shake some hands. You're here to just say hello to people you don't have to impress anyone. You're here to say hello. So I gave out business cards. I ended up saying hi to a lot of people and, and it was great. Um, but I, I needed to really take that minute to think about it. Otherwise sure. I would have found the local, like the, the, the bar at the hotel, or I would have went to my car and taken a few drinks and gone back into the event, but that's no. not what I do anymore. I've worked way too hard to, to go back to those old habits, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think really, it's yeah, such
0: a, such a cool thing when you can say, I'm feeling anxious, and like, just state what you're feeling, be okay with that. Like you, you painted that picture beautifully where you, you met your feelings with compassion and grace, you know, well, that's okay that I'm feeling this way, but Mm -hmm. you know, what I want to do, um, is I want to, I want to go out there and meet new people and it'll be a good experience. And, um, and I think that that is really, really powerful, like telling yourself, Recognizing your feeling, be okay with whatever you're feeling, but then talking yourself through it with compassion and grace, and like how you would talk to a friend. Um, yeah, <clears throat> and yeah, I think that that is even more powerful than alcohol, and definitely a lot healthier, Absolutely. right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Because then I, the way that you're you're changing the actual problem, you're not just medicating or masking it or trying to be someone you feel like you're not. You are, you know, changing the actual actual problem the origin of where exactly it, where it, um, started where it began
1: yeah absolutely and then you know with 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 the issue that followed after having like a drink or two would be okay th- they can clearly smell the alcohol on your on your on your breath right gum whatever it won't disguise it enough and that was also something where i had to like be really conscious of that so i got really tired of having to you know breathe in and talk while holding my breath so my breath wouldn't go out you know that was Mm. really exhausting it's like i don't because i don't want people to know that i've been drinking like because i was doing house call you know haircuts from time to time as well so going to these people's houses i would park take a couple drinks go inside cut their hair just fine you know really and i wouldn't it just so exhausting you know so i think those three things has really really helped me on a daily basis really just kind of understand like what's going on, how to fix it instead of, um, you know, resorting to, to crutches again. So I'm so thankful really that I learned that.
0: Yeah. And I love the second tool that you talked about as well. Um, it actually reminds me of this children's book that I have that I read to my kids and it's called Jonathan James and the what if monster. And he has this, is this little kid and he's scared of doing everything. Like he's scared of jumping off the dive dive board like well the diving board well what if I belly flop and everybody laughs at me and then he's scared of like painting a picture and he's like well what if I'm I'm the worst painter in the class and it looks terrible and and he has this little what (laughs) if monster that's like you know telling him all these things and which is anxiety um Mm -hmm. but then he starts talking back to the what if monster he's like well what if I jump off the diving board? I do a cannonball. It makes a big splash. Everybody laughs and we all have fun. And what if I, I paint something and it actually looks pretty awesome. You know, what if I end up making a really cool friend, you know, if I go out and talk to these people and, and I think that that is, that's such a a really cool, um, key and tool to apply. And, um, I've also been thinking about values too. And you, you spoke a little bit of this, about this, but when you're doing something, do it from a place of value, from a place of like, okay, well, why am I here? Why am I really here? What is, what is the reason? What is the purpose? Um, And just like, you know, telling yourself again, why you're there and what good can come from it and enter into whatever it is that you're doing from a place of, well, I'm doing this because I value this instead of a place of like, oh, I'm going to do this and look like a fool and people are going to laugh at me or whatever, you know? Right. Um, but it reminds me of, um, vi- I'm a violinist. And I've I've mentioned here before that when I play, like I grew up playing. I have a mom who's an incredible violinist. She played in a van a band, um, she's, she's amazing. And she just like gets up on stage. She shines like she's just a really great performer. And I've always felt like, you know, I, I wanted to be like that, but I'm just not naturally. Um, I get up there and, and my bow starts to shake and I get really nervous <laughs> and especially, you know, before now, um, uh, before my growth and, and, uh, when I was younger, I would be like, I just dread it. And, and, uh, lately through applying my tools, um, that I've learned before I perform the violin or before I perform or, or get in front of people. And I feel those, those nerves starting to kick in. I tell myself, well, I'm doing this because I want to give a gift to somebody. I want to give a gift." to people that are in the crowd. And I want to do this out of love. This isn't about me. You know, it's, it's a talent that I believe that God has blessed me with and that I can share with other people in love. And if I'm, I'm there giving it as a gift to other people, um, and performing, not for myself, not to look a certain way or, um, to be a certain way, but just simply to be an instrument God's hands and to share that, that talent that I believe he gave me with other people to uplift them and to, to just play with love. Um, and before I perform, if that can be my focus, then I, I just enjoy it. I just love it. And I just feel peace. You know, it's, it's not about me being nervous in front of a group. It's me having the opportunity to share love um i love that so yeah it's it's helped me to like focus on that value of this is why mm-hmm. i'm doing this i'm doing this because i want to share love i want right. to share a talent um not because of me but because because of me being a part of this this big i don't know like human family
1: <laughs> yeah it's it's almost so like changing
0: that perspective
1: Exactly. So it's, it's a mental thing for sure. Cause I, I remember having the same feelings before I was on stage. of like, Oh my gosh, I'm so, I'm so nervous, you know, but um, it's, it's almost like the, the, like the, the mindset of we care too much about how people are going to look at us as we're playing. And when in reality, they just want to hear some music. That's it. They yeah. don't care if you're making a weird face. They don't care if, you know, we're, we're human. So it's, a, it's okay to, um, to want to be great and perfect, but you know, it's have fun. If, if you're yeah. going to be stressed out, then, then why, why do it, you know, yeah. but do it, do it if you love it. And it, yeah. I love that you were sharing that right now too, because it's, you're, you're doing it because you can, because you have a gift, you know, and you have no idea how many times people will come up to you after you were just on stage and someone will tell you, Hey, I don't know how you do that. I can never do that. And it's, you know, it's that belief. Like, yes, you can. Yeah you know, it's entirely possible. Like I, no one gets there overnight. If you want to do this, you can do this. Yeah. Um, so I love that. Don't, don't, um, if it's, if it's a hobby that you like are passionate about, then nothing should stop you from, from doing that. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anxiety can go kick rocks. Yeah. Know?
0: Well, and it's, it's that lie or not lie. I mean, sometimes it's true, but it's this thought, this fear of, well, you know, I'm really not that good. My stuff isn't good enough or, you know, I don't have a perfect voice. I am don't, I'm not perfect at the guitar, but like, I think that those thoughts can be so limiting. And of course, and if, if you're doing it out of love and joy and, um, and for those reasons, then if you like it, 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 you don't have to be perfect, you know, like people can tell when you enjoy doing something. And you never know who you're going to touch and who you're going to influence. So exactly. Yeah. And in, in, uh, my Toastmasters club, there's this guy that I remember he said, um, before you get up to speak or before you get up to perform or, you know, whatever it is, when you get in front of people, um, look at the crowd before, or as soon as you stand up and picture them as like your best friends, like they're not, cause sometimes we get in front of people and we automatically feel like, Oh, like they're scary. They're judging me. They're picking me right. apart. They're going to talk and say all this stuff about me. But if you can get up in front of people and be like, Oh man, like those are my brothers <clears throat> and sisters. Or those are my friends. Like, this is my family. And just like focus on that love and just assume that they love you. Um, then it's like so much easier to connect with the audience. Like it's, it's easier to feel like less anxious because you're picturing them not as, not as like these terrible, awful critics, but as like your best friends.
1: (laughs) And let's, let's not even touch on the fact that, you know, the world is so sensitive. So we can't exactly use the old way of doing things by picturing the, the audience naked Right. So, <laughs> so can't do that anymore. Cause um, that's, that's, that's majorly frowned upon at this, in this day and age, there's so many <laughs> sensitive people out there that will form a lawsuit. They knew that's what you're thinking. So you could calm the anxiety and give a speech. So
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. Well, Sam, I'm going to close this interview. It's been so fantastic and I could talk to you forever and ever and ever.
1: Of course. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it was like our introduction, our introduction call is like, I just, I, I love yes. your energy. I love what you're doing. Really. I Thank love it Thank you.
0: right back at you. Thank you.
1: Uh, but I
0: do want to ask you a couple more questions. So sure. my favorite question to ask, and this is a question that I end every single interview with is "What does lighting the shadows mean to you?
1: Lighting the shadows. I, okay. So first that really resonated a lot with me when, when you, uh, when you found me and reached out and, and we talked about your podcast and and I'm like, this is amazing. That title is is so perfect because that's exactly what um, I needed when I was in that darkness, in those shadows, right? And I didn't see any light. And uh, in those moments of of like darkness, it's just like you just you look anywhere for light, you look anywhere for peace of mind and comfort, you know. Whether that be um, therapy or meditation or whatever it is, you know, I was using the wrong crutches but that was before the tools. And I'm just thinking, okay, light in the shadows. That's such a beautiful title because you're giving people light when they're currently in the shadows. And I think what you're doing is such a blessing to the world. And it's it's a gift that you're giving and sharing with people and allowing people that have experiences like mine to really give back to people through your podcast, through your own light. So I think you in itself are the light in the shadows. That's, That's the impression that I get from from everything that you're doing. is just a major gift to people oh, that are struggling.
0: Thank so, you. <laughs> you're
1: welcome. You're thank very welcome. you. It's
0: like I have said at the beginning of this episode, um, it's such an honor for me to be able to host a podcast because I I, 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 I love, love, love hearing people's stories and hearing. Yeah. I think it's incredible to see changes that people make in their life and to hear, yeah. hear where people have come from and in my <laughs> own life to see change. Um, because I think change yields hope. And when we believe that change is impossible, that we're going to be stuck in those shadows forever. That is when people start to lose all hope. And, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately in many cases, the will to live, um, when there's just no hope for change. And so, yeah, I love, love, love being able to to hear stories of change and to hear stories of growth, um, because I believe that that's true for everybody. That's that's mm-hmm. a real possibility for everybody. No one is exempt from that, right. from the ability to change and to grow, and um, that's what this life is all about. So, yeah, I totally thank agree. You.
1: Totally agree with that. Yeah.
0: Thank you. And then last thing, Sam. How can people connect with you?
1: They can't actually. So I'm just kidding. (laughs) Of course. So you can reach out to me, um, either Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. So if you just look up, you know, Sam Becker, B-E-C-K-E-R, or Instagram is I am underscore Sam Becker. Those are the places that I'm usually the most active in. Um, My website is just atrocious right now. So I'm really trying to build that um, piece that together nicely. So otherwise, uh, social media would probably be the best place to find me, but okay. Instagram, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Cool.
0: And then your YouTube channel,
1: the YouTube channel as well. Yes. Good, good call. i totally forgot to mention that. I, have, <laughs> I haven't uploaded in a little bit, so it's, it's, it's in, in the works, but, um, yeah, the YouTube channel is, is just under my name, Sam Becker. And you can find a lot of useful videos for anxiety. And that
0: specific video that you mentioned earlier, I definitely want to include the link for people on my website. So if you want to connect with Sam, go to my website, www.lightingtheshadows.org, and you can find all of his links under his, this episode. So
1: thank you so much. I really appreciate it.
0: Yeah. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining me on Lighting the Shadows. I hope you felt inspired to keep shining your light and be the unique person that you are. A person worth love, peace, joy, and life. I hope today's material has been helpful for you in some way. If you have any questions or comments, or if you would like to be a guest speaker, you can contact me through my website, lightingtheshadows.org. Have a wonderful week.